0: Coming up tonight on another episode of the Big Footy Podcast, we talk all about what is hopefully the conclusion to the Essendon and the Asada saga. We also talk about round one and our predictions for the year. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I am the Wookiee, and with me tonight I have a sterling cast. Um, Of course, I include Messenger in that sterling cast. Good evening.
1: Oh, good evening. I've got a lot of letter sleeves I was going to be using this week, (laughs) and I don't need them anymore.
0: (laughs) And uh, we've also got Seppo from the Freo Board.
2: Yeah, good evening, and uh, good to be on.
0: And joining us again, we have Shandog from the Blues Board. G'day, everyone. And uh, obviously there's a lot to get through and we are going to get to uh, the discussion on the Asada uh, trial conclusion and uh, the resulting uh, comments and reactions from that a bit later on in the piece. But first we're going to have a look at this week's games. And But before we do that, <laughs> do you have a highlight from the week, guys? Any of you?
1: I do. Oh,
2: I oh. like the fact that we've had Collingwood now involved in a. The- more names coming out and, and all the uh, talk about steak and, and the possibilities of where this substance has come from for these two young players, it's um, quite entertaining.
3: Yeah, it's got to be the, mean, the international Seppo. incident. Mm. New Zealand getting very upset with us. That's great.
1: Yes, because mm. that's the second time in a week New Zealand have been upset with us. That's yeah. pretty mean of you to be mean to Collingwood supporter Seppo. It <laughs> doesn't, doesn't say very, anything very nice about you. Mm.
0: I think my highlight of the week, uh, other than the World Cup final being the most watched game of cricket of all time, <laughs> uh, it's like four point one million viewers or something in prime time. Uh, my highlight of the week is the fact that it's football season and it is here, it is upon us, and seeing the team names come out, um, it's just all the off season crap is done and we are ready to go. Wait, so you're right.
2: telling me there's football on now? There. There's See, actual to forget football. what that sport is.
0: There
1: is tomorrow oh, interesting cricket uh, cricket fact, Rookie. Yes. The number of viewers for the World Cup final is the same as the number of dollars in Shane Watson's earnings as a cricketer last year. Really? Can you believe I I was told this by a uh very respected member of the Big Footy moderator team, that he actually made $4 million playing cricket badly last year.
0: There's a, there's a lot of endorsements and things that, that I assume maybe he does... Uh,
1: a, lot of, a lot of brute.
0: Maybe he does Wheat bix commercials or something. <laughs> he must do. <laughs> Alright, so we're going to get stuck into this week's round. Gentlemen, turn your hymnals to the AFL website, as I know you will do. And
1: um, yes, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and...
0: And tomorrow night, uh, Carlton play Richmond in, what is a Carlton home game at the MCG. Carlton have named several deputants, apparently, um, and are missing some key players. If by key players, you mean guys like Lee, uh, Levi Casbolt, Shandog. Yes. How do you see this game going?
3: Very well for us. Uh, I can say this completely unbiasedly. I'm pretty sure we're going to win by about six goals. Um, Richmond won't be able to stop anything we try, and no, look, this is all rubbish, isn't it? Um, I have no idea, honestly. My honest answer is I have no idea how it's going to go. Um, my gut feeling is that we're going to be right in there with them in the game, and we could win. But if I was to put something valuable on it, I'd go with Richmond. To be honest with you, I think they've just got um, uh, too many. They don't. They won't have anywhere near as many brand new guys you know guys playing less than 20 games um, out there as us and they're just going to be a bit more experienced a bit better drilled probably um first round though you never know what can happen so i'm quietly optimistic well
2: Shanda, looking at this uh the side it actually looks quite young how many of your uh, experienced best 22 players are not there like i'm not sure if you could really call warnock best 22 but
1: uh, i am not his no. name it's missing <laughs> there's a a real cruel streak in you tonight Seppo that's that's terrible
0: I'm not going to argue with you though I think my views on Warnock are well known in terms of uh, the Carlton very public and uh, made no no bones whatsoever about uh, about that but I mean Casbolt's probably best 22 he's named as an emergency for some reason Um, yeah
3: we've got a couple of injured players um, who are pretty key I mean well Matthew Cruiser, I suppose he's I'm permanently not, missing. I'm um, not even sure but, if he's uh, best we've liked him there. <laughs> Um Andrew Walker is a big missing uh, a big out, uh, unfortunately. But beside that, um there's not a lot of our senior guys gone. It's just the fact that we don't have them anymore. Mm. Um ah. most of most of all we got left is uh is young guys now or, or ex fringe <laughs> players who we wanting to take the next step up, so that's pretty much where we're at as a club. Mm.
0: Uh, Friday night, obviously no game. Good Friday, we don't play there, of course, for whatever reason. Go to but... Church. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, though, uh, at one forty at the MCG, Melbourne play the Gold Coast in what should be a blockbuster crowd. Get your tickets now uh, before they sell out. Um, guys, any thoughts? I, I think,
1: I think this is the year that Gold Coast make the jump. And they have to because you know you don't get a guy in like Rodney Eade if you think you're going to piddle along at in 12th. I think Gold Coast will win handsomely, handsomely. Mm. Melbourne will improve. They haven't. They, my issue with Melbourne is whether they can kick a, a winning score. They certainly began stopping teams last year, but I, I think Gold Coast are ready to make the jump from. The uh, middle of the also runs into perhaps pushing for the eight this year. I reckon they're going to they're do some pretty awful things to Melbourne on Saturday.
0: Mm.
2: I've seen nothing in the pre-season to get really excited about Melbourne. They, they've no. played us pretty much full strength and can't see, like you said, a bit of improvement, but it looks like Gold Coast with uh, Gary Ablett running around there and starting to get some of the younger guys involved. They'll start to shoot up the ladder, and this is probably going to be a big first win for them down at the G.
0: Mm. last year of the uh, Swans deal to play three games at ANZ Stadium on Saturday evening they play the Bombers at 4.35 and I think uh, a lot of people will be interested to see how Essendon go for this game Um, I think the Swans will still win relatively easily to be honest but what are are your thoughts?
2: I'm actually quite interested to hear that the club has actually put on a, a free bus and ticket for some members that have stuck fat and thin through them and shipping them all up there to Sydney and even though it's um, round one I don't expect this stadium to even get half full it's a shock of a ground to go to and obviously Sydney might not be drawing much of a crowd but it's it's going to be probably well watched in Melbourne but god it's going to probably go one way and Sydney downpour unless Essendon can pull something out of their bum because they certainly haven't had this team together playing a lot through the pre-season but you never know.
1: I think they're going to get a bit of a bump out of the ruling this week, and I actually think Essendon will make make quite a good uh, fist of it. I I don't believe they'll win, but I don't believe they'll be blown out of the water by any any stretch either.
3: I just can't see them being able to come together um, just overnight, essentially, to to field a team in a a highly professional game these days. I think they'll get rolled by a big margin.
2: So it be probably at the game beforehand because they probably still be on the source, wouldn't they, celebrating? So.
3: <laughs> could be. It uh, could be. I reckon they could be uh, in danger of blowing over for about six weeks. It'll, <laughs> be, it'll take about that long before they start being competitive again, I think.
0: I'm just hoping it lasts past round three and that's, uh, that'll do me fine after that. Yeah, I'll care. be happy with that. <laughs> uh, Saturday evening, Brisbane play Collingwood at the Gabba. And I am interested in this game because I think Brisbane could do this, and I think they could do it well.
1: Yeah, I just I, I actually think Collingwood will win. We were talking about this before we do where we do all our good work before the podcast, <laughs> and I I just don't see who's going to kick Brisbane's goals. They've got a, a great group of guys that've come in in the midfield, but that group are going to have to kick a pretty decent share of their goals this year. They've got a couple of they got close down there and I think they're going to be trying to use McStay as a tall marking option as well. And I, I just don't see it with Brisbane. I I, I tend to think Collingwood are a, uh, a better team. I'm not sure that they'll make the finals, but I, I think they're, they're a better team and I reckon they'll win.
3: Collingwood's I, forward line isn't that much better than Brisbane's at the moment though. It's got some names, but not performers.
1: Well, How you know,
2: this is... Brownies report and cloak and I don't know if that's going to put a uh, fire up his clacker, but Jeez, I tell you what, they're missing uh, a quarter, quite a bit of talent now, Collingwood.
0: Yeah. Mm. All right, the other game on Saturday night is the Bulldogs versus West Coast at Etihad Stadium. Uh, again, tickets will sell out rapidly for this. Make sure you get in early. Um, I don't know how to pick this one at the moment. I think uh, West Coast probably get over the Bulldogs, but it'll be close. How do you I'm... see it?
1: I have no confidence in picking either team, but I think the the Bulldogs ever so slightly.
3: Mm. I, I got to go with West Coast. I just sort of feel like they're the, they're a better team. Uh, you know, sometimes you can only it feels like you can only go off what you know from the team from the previous year in, in round one. You know, regardless of who's come in and out of the sides over the preseason, uh, you know, I, I look at Western Bulldogs team and look at West Coast and go, well, West Coast's got a better side. Surely they should and be winning. West Coast definitely underperformed last year, so sort of
2: take that into consideration. They yeah. are a better side and you'd think they're this also missing a couple of
1: pretty decent guys. I mean Eric McKenzie's out with an ACL and Darling's out, isn't he? Is that right, Seppo? Yep. Jack Darling's out.
0: Those I mean, two they're, are
1: gone. They're pretty pretty decent. And McKenzie's gonna be a, a massive loss for them this season. He was he was uh, terrific last year. Um, I i I'm, I reckon the doggies. I believe in the bond.
0: Well, that's one of you. (laughs) Uh, No doubt Mike agrees with you. Um, Well, where are we? Sunday afternoon we go to, and it's St Kilda and GWS at Eddie Had Stadium. No doubt a blockbuster. St Kilda will make tons of money from this game. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I think we're going to see the uh, genesis of the new GWS here. Oh, yeah,
1: I agree. I they are going to be... We got sucked in because they, they, they had a really soft draw start of 2014 and they won, I think, their first three from memory and might have been, you know, four and one or something like that. And then the whole thing just caved in on yep. them. But let's be honest, they are going to be terrible. They are going to be involved in more blowouts than is really decent for an AFL football team this year. And um, GWS, if they are doing anything at all, should win. And if they don't, um, well, I might, might be previewing my, my uh, first coach to be sacked, Colin. But anyway.
0: Kiss, kiss of death there already. Season hasn't even started. and It's uh, not Mes- too bad
1: for GWS, though, because when you look
2: at their first few games against St Kilda, they could win that. Then they've got Melbourne, not too bad after that. Sydney is going to be a bit harder, but then they go on and play the Suns and West Coast. So they, they could be sitting, you know, three and three again or something like that, that mm. gives us a bit of false hope.
1: I mean, I don't know how many games you think, how many did they win last year? Somebody's got the a Five or six or
0: something. Six, it? yeah, six sounds about
1: right. I mean, to me, St Kilda shouldn't be, a, oh, we think we can win. It should be, we, are, we must win this game. This, is, this should be a not negotiable for the, for the Giants now. They, they they are that much better team that this should not be, a, oh, gee, we hope, we hope. They, they've they got to do it.
0: Yeah. Mm. All right, the other game on, well, there are two other games on Sunday, but the next game on Sunday is in Adelaide at Adelaide Oval between North Melbourne and Adelaide. Should be a cracker of a game, and I mean that in all seriousness, um, at Adelaide Oval. I'm not sure how, the, if the game's sold out yet or not, but um, I think the Crows may be just over North Melbourne here.
2: Mm. I'm surprised oh. that North My- North Melbourne are actually uh, not favourites. I would have thought they were, um I know Adelaide probably had a good pre-season, but you'd think if North Melbourne are going to go pushing for top four again, they'll be uh, fancying themselves to win this game. And I'll probably be tipping them, but it's mm. one that looks like, again, hard to go either way. And you just say Adelaide at home, and if they're filling out Adelaide over, it always helps them, and I suppose the same for Port whenever they're playing them at home. But I'd give North Melbourne every chance for this one.
1: Yeah, Adelaide yeah. lost a fair share of home games last year. Yeah, they went 50% at home. Yeah, I I, I reckon North. I, I mm. don't see why North would, would lose this. They, they were a top-four team last year. They finished, they were mm. prelim finalists. They, mm. they can play.
0: Adelaide, That's all, I
3: agree with that mm. as well. Uh,
0: I should point out that uh, Adelaide and St Kilda... Oh, well, sorry, Adelaide have broken their membership record for the year as well. Uh, 60,300 members. It's the best they've ever done, so...
3: It's a lot of agitators.
0: That is. That it's a lot of uh, Chardonnay being drunk around the city somewhere. <laughs> um, Seppo, Frio, and Port Adelaide in uh, one of the better games of the round on Sunday at uh, the newly named Domain Stadium.
2: Going to be a cracker. And it's funny how even just you know, reading on the Frio board, everyone worried about pre-season injuries and all the shocker of a pre-season we've had. And all of a sudden couple of days before we're going to name the signs, everyone's suddenly full training and it's all tiggity-boo and, and ready to go for this game on Sunday. And what the annoying thing about this is for me that I'm actually going to WA for a, um, a wedding and I'll be right next to Subiaco right when this game is on and I won't be there to watch it, which I'm uh,
1: quite killer. annoyed about. <laughs> but good luck, I, I must admit, I love watching Port Adelaide play football. Mm. I don't yep. enjoy watching Port Adelaide play football against my team. <laughs> they're, they're great to watch. They move the ball really well. They're brave, and and they take it on. and uh, And they would be many people's presumptive favourites for the flag this year. They, and, they would be um, very close, I think. Yes, I. And no offence, there, but I tend to think Port will win this one. I think they're they're ready to go.
2: Well, these would be one of the four or five sides that David King's tipped to win the flag, isn't he? He's,
1: well, he's, he's only he's high. got 14 teams in his top eight <laughs> yeah. and, and four premiership favourites. So, yes, I think Port yeah. is one, yes.
0: Yeah. OK, and of my favourite game of the year um, is Hawthorne and Geelong, which is on the Monday uh, at 3.20. And, as always, it's my favourite game of the year because I do love to see uh, or to imagine the despair on Messenger's face when the game gets close, or when Geelong pull in front, or win,
1: it, it's a it, it's a, a game that tends to shorten my life expectancy each year. <laughs> um, but having missed the entire final series for a ill ill um, ill planned trip overseas, uh, it now turns out we are going camping this long weekend, <laughs> and a big a big call out to my wife for that. So um, I said, You do realise that Hawthorne are playing on Monday? And she said, What? And I said, They're playing. She's like, Well, you can listen to it on the radio, I think were her exact words. <laughs>
0: and I will be on
1: the way back
0: from my camping trip. Get, get, so anyway. on, get on to Croc Media.
1: Yeah, no, I'll be listening, probably listening to on the ABC. But anyway, um, it's it's hard to know. Hawthorne's form line through the pre-season has not been all that consistent. They've chopped and changed. They used a very much a shadow squad against Collingwood in the first NAB game and, and played something more like full strength against, well, St Kilda. Uh, so it's hard to tell. But um, they've done well against Geelong in the last uh, last little while and um, I'd be hopeful of a victory on Monday.
0: Now, I'm going to get your season predictions in a minute, guys, but I just I want to... Take a quick gander at some of the bigger games coming up just after round one. Uh, Round two, you've got Port playing Sydney at Adelaide Oval. Big game. I don't think anyone will dispute that. Geelong have got Fremantle at uh, Seppo's favourite, Skilled Stadium. And Essendon and Hawthorne at the MCG in in, uh, relatively big games. You, You get West
2: Coast and Carlton taking up the limelight of Friday.
0: Yes, and Messenger oh, loves Carlton God. being on Friday nights. <laughs> Let me remind you, Messenger, I know
2: how much you love Carlton. And what's the uh, number of Carlton and Richmond are going to take up 17 out of the 23 Friday night spots this year or something like that?
1: <laughs> oh. it, it just it's, it destroys Friday night football. Every time Carlton play, a puppy dies on Friday night. <laughs> so i I will do is I will have a DVD each Friday night. I'll be watching a movie. So... Not that's right, that's
3: where we can sneak up on you under the radar. No yeah. one will ever watch
1: us. Oh, my Suddenly, God, they're 11th, they're 11th. We're in the grand final. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, after that, it pretty much settles down a bit, round three. Uh, Carlton have got Essendon at the MCG. Uh, West Coast have got Fremantle, and everyone else has got relatively um, easy games. I think Swans have got GWS. North Melbourne have got Port. I guess that might be a good one. Uh, Hawks have got the Bulldogs at in Tasmania. That'll be mm. fantastic. Geelong Gold Coast at Skilled Stadium should be a good game. Um, round four, nothing really. Essendon Collingwood Anzac Day, I suppose that might be fun. Port Hawthorne Adelaide Oval will be a big game.
1: Anzac Day
0: Port Hawthorne. Oh, good Fremantle Sydney on Anzac Day as well. They really yeah. have packed Anzac Day with. Big games, haven't they? St Kilda Carlton.
1: What that there... no, in New Zealand? Sorry, that's it, sorry,
0: in New Zealand.
1: Oh man, are the Carlton players expected to walk around with the St Kilda players, giving out free tickets?
0: Oh, I don't know, but it's the hundredth anniversary of uh, World War One, so apparently there's some big celebrations planned there. But that's a, that's a that's not a bad um, not a bad day's worth of football if you if you're watching on TV. What better,
1: what better what better way to honour. The diggers. In fact, it would almost simulate war because you you'd be cold and wet and losing the will to live. I, I, well I, at the bay.
0: I I am personally going to dig a trench in my backyard and put the TV in it, and, yes. and just and just have my girlfriend just with the hose over the top. Yes,
1: <laughs> it could be worse. You could be a St Kilda supporter and yes. have my
0: German neighbours just yelling stuff at me, getting <laughs>
1: like... sick kids to
3: cough on you.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that so that that. Okay, but um, yeah, so Anzac, that looks like fun. So your your predictions, guys, I asked you uh, before the podcast, except for Shandog who joined pretty much as we started the podcast, but uh, Messenger and Sepo, at least, I asked you for your predictions for the year, and we'll start with your top eight, guys.
2: All right, I'll run through and I'll go with a predicted Hawthorne at the top, followed by Sydney Port and Freo, any given order. Um, I suppose then you go down to sides like North Melbourne, Geelong, maybe even Richmond and West Coast with the Bombers and sort of Adelaide maybe missing out on the eight and then throw a blanket over the rest and put Melbourne and St Kilda last.
0: Is anyone not going to put that Hawthorne, Sydney, Fremantle, Port Adelaide uh, group in that top four?
3: Um... I'd throw North in there. I've got North in the top four.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's much between Fremantle and North. I'd probably say Fremantle just on the basis that they'll be they'll win probably nine or ten of their twelve games in Western Australia, and whereas North tend to drop a couple against a couple of silly games during the year. But um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty reasonable. I I like Adelaide to to sneak in Um, and. I think we will probably also see four six, seven eight, I think Geelong in sixth, I'll say um, oh, I'm trying to think now seventh seventh and eighth is where it gets tricky, isn't it? They're the teams that sort of bobble in and out of mm. the bobble in and out of the eight Gold Coast, I think will make it, and um I think the crows.
3: Yeah, that's what I've got as well. I've got uh, Hawksport, Sydney and North as the top four, A just outside it as fifth, and then uh, Geelong, Crows and Gold Coast in eighth.
0: Mm. You see, and got, Richmond ninth. I've got North dropping out of the eight. No. Yeah, no, I have. I, have. I can
2: it's, see a, it happening. I agree with you there, yeah, Wookie, because it's a, it's really a, their c- list hasn't been topped up too much.
1: and
0: it's It's a cyclical thing for North Melbourne. One year they make the eight, the next year they don't. I, I just don't think they're going to make the eight this year. Are
1: you are you factoring in a bit of Jared Waite?
0: <laughs> I, I have factored in Jared Waite. They're going to finish twelfth now. They've
1: got a lot of they've got a lot of uh, sort of the sort of ten year ten year rule feel about them with bringing in Higgins as well. And I'm not sure that I think Higgins will be worthwhile. I'm not sure Waite's going to be as I, I much think help they... as they think he will be, but you know, he's sort of the, the Shane Watson of uh, AFL football, but... Um,
0: <laughs> not on yeah, football,
1: not Not that keen on weight, on but no, I think that generally they're a pretty good team, really.
0: I, I think they feel their window's opening. Like it's, it's, oh, absolutely. It's starting to open, and it's now or never with the list that they've got. Um, I don't think it's going to happen for them, and I honestly don't believe that they're going to make the eight this year. Do um, you believe Richmond will make the eight? I hope not. But... It's a probability that I can't. I think Essendon will fill into the eight. I think, uh, you know, Hawthorne, Fremantle, um, Port Adelaide, um, Geelong, these guys are all going to be up there. North won't be. Essendon will be. Collingwood won't be. Um,
2: well, how far would you put Collingwood? If things really go bad for Buckley, if... would you put Collingwood almost down to bottom? For territory?
0: We talked about this during the uh, pre-bit before the podcast and well, I, th- I think there's going to get, we're at the point now where in any given season you could throw a blanket over any team from 7th through to probably 14th and it's uh, basically where they finish now falls on things like injury and suspension and really that's, and, and their ability to win close games against each other that's that's the only thing separating any of these teams that are all in the hunt for those last two spots in the eight. I don't, I don't see a lot of difference between the teams. Um, it's it's really going to depend on who gets the mo- well, who gets the least injuries, who gets the best run without suspensions, who gets the best weather. You know, is the roof for Eddie Hat open? Half open. You know, is it half open? <laughs> You know, just stuff like that is, It's. it's I, it, I think it's way too hard to predict just who those last two teams are going to be, but for mine, I think Essendon and probably Richmond are going to fill those last two spots. As much as I hate both those sides, and it would eternally make me happy if my side could make the eight, I don't see it with the lists that we have this year. Now, guys, in if, sense, we, um, if, we, oh, if we
2: actually consult the uh, squiggle as seen on Big Footy by Max Barry, this season predictor actually goes Hawthorne, Sydney, Port, Frio, West Coast in fifth, Adelaide, North Melbourne and Richmond with Geelong missing. Which must factor in, obviously, current form and position, and and go through the whole season and actually maps out their their defence and attack compared to each other, which is uh, quite interesting. So it says something about West Coast with if they obviously it doesn't factor in injuries, but it sounds like you know the way that the draws worked out that there might be a couple of sides that surprise you where they finish.
1: Mm. Does West Coast continually strikes me as a team that is the su- less than the sum of its parts? And, and and it looks you look at it and you think, Oh wow, look at those names and and over and over again they they uh flatter to deceive and um I, I don't I don't trust them at all. And I think they do really badly on the road. They might win you know, they might get eight of their ten wins in Perth but they will they will cop some big losses in Melbourne. They could all um,
2: start with round one losing to the Bulldogs, you never know.
1: I, I think that's quite a possibility, but you know they 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 tra- they don't play well in Adelaide. They've not. They don't do well in in um, in Sydney or Queensland either. And they and how many times do they win in Melbourne each year? They might win one or one game in Melbourne a year. Um, I, I just I just don't see it with the Eagles at all.
2: I suppose this can segue into the uh, next question for. Which coach is going to be most under pressure after, let's say, halfway through the season and there's some sides not performing? You've got Buckley, probably Malthouse, Simpson from the Eagles, and I suppose the GWS coach. Name escapes me at the moment, but... Mm.
1: My, look. My view is that Leon Cameron has a massive amount of talent on his list and they have been so far... Pretty poor for the talent developing as they are. I think the expectations start to crank up from now, and if they tune in another three win season, I reckon he's his, his asses on the on the footpath. That would be that would be my considered view.
0: I can't I can't see West Coast getting rid of Simpson now.
1: No, I don't. I don't believe so either. That's,
0: I don't see that. I think uh, Richardson might be under some pressure, as much as he shouldn't be at St Kilda. Yeah. Oh no no, that
1: would be, that would be a travesty. The way they've stripped that list back, if they sacked him, with with that absolute dog of a list he's got, that's that would be horrendous.
0: Yeah, desperate clubs do desperate things. I mean, well, stupid
1: clubs do stupid things. Let's be honest. As what <laughs> Kilda we're talking about here, um, <laughs> I don't think the other guy. The other guy is Damien Hardwick.
0: I don't think Hardwick's under as much pressure as you think, though. Mm. I, I think or they made the finals last year, didn't they, Richmond? Yeah, yeah. So they, they've just got to get to the next point now. The next week in the finals.
3: This is the problem. This is it the problem? See, I'm. I kind of with you a little bit on what you were talking about earlier, Wookie. Where um, you, you can. So many of the teams, especially around the middle of the ladder, are so even that I think it's almost just as statistically possible, you know, likely that um, a team like. Geelong absolutely bombs out somehow and ends up in with the bottom six as Brisbane suddenly turning it on and, and getting themselves into the top eight. So I think saying these sort of, which coach is going to be um, under pressure the most is really, really hard to do. I think it's just wait until about halfway through the season and if we see the pies sitting on the bottom of the ladder and everything is just turning to poo in, uh, in Magpie land, then there's your man. Um, and someone else is going to be up higher at the expense of that, and they're going to be lauded as being fantastic.
1: Can you, can you picture a situation in which Eddie Maguire walks in the Collingwood boardroom and says, I would like to sack Nathan Buckley?
0: <laughs> well, he put him under pressure. I mean, he put him under pressure by saying that they were going to win the flag. And I just, I don't know, there's been a lot of time gone past and not a hell of a lot of success.
1: I I, I think if you're talking about like, between... I think Hardwick's under a lot more pressure. Because, I mean, let's say they've made the finals, but, you know, they were hardly in that one final they played. It was over at quarter time.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, you know, they were sort of in the finals, like... Yeah, you know. If they drop um, back
3: out again, he's definitely under pressure, for sure.
1: Oh, I think he's gone. If, you, if, they, if they don't make it, I mean, this is a... This is a... A mature well I wouldn't say mature, maturing list, but it's no longer a young list. And there comes a point at which you say, you know, is this—is this the best these guys can do? Mm. And and you can't waste your white time waiting for, for for Damien to sort it out if the list is slowly turning to mush under your in front of you.
0: Shandog, what about Malthouse? What do you? How do you see his position? Um,
3: honestly, I think so long as it's not um. Uh, a, a terrible year if we if we pull out ten wins um, finish between ninth and and uh eleventh you know that sort of area um so long as and I put the caveat on so long as players like Bokhorst, Cripps um all these other young guys that we 've got through uh, coming through menzel that sort of thing, if they show um that they 're going to be the a grade players that we think they will be um even if we drop more games than we win. Um, I think Malthouse's position is safe, especially with the, on the back of some decent recruiting that we think is driven by him, um, the club playing better, new, fresh um, way that we are playing that we can go, OK, look, there's going to be some success in the future, then I think he's safe. If we bomb out and, and end up finishing about 15th, then I think the, the writing's on the wall for him.
1: Mm. Does he get extended mid-year or will they make him wait till September or October? I, hope I they think, think they'll make him wait.
0: I hope they don't make him wait. I don't want to see a repeater of the year at Collingwood. where yeah. I, don't, I don't want to see that happen at Carlton, but it probably you, will.
1: You can imagine getting to about round 12 and every post-game press conference, including a question about when he thinks he might get a contract.
0: Yeah, and he, and he get, and he's going to get angry about it and he's going to go off for people. But the fact is, people want to know stuff like that. And I would not be in a rush to re-sign him. No, I think they'll wait to the end of the year.
1: It's a smarter move,
3: even though people who want more stability can put a fair argument across about signing him earlier, for sure.
0: Mm. All right, so that leads us into the wooden spoon prediction for the year. Is any of you not predicting St Kilda to finish bottom? No. 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 Because we did this last year, and about a quarter of the way through the season, we were all looking like idiots. Yes. I think
2: I I said Brisbane at the start of last year, and then I think I changed my mind early on to the Bulldogs, but really didn't think it would... uh pan out that way. Look,
1: if it's not St Kilda, it's Melbourne. I
0: don't, I don't think any of you predicted Matt Prittis winning the Brownlow last year. Oh, nope. boy. Um, who's going to win the Brownlow this year for your...
2: I would say, based on the MRP findings from this pre-season, <laughs> Fife is every chance now. Oh, and my I've already God, thrown you're, my money, money.
1: <laughs> you're, it's amazing. It is the, the The level of... Victimization that Fremantle supporters feel about Nat Fife, who deserved both the suspensions he got, both of them, but no, it's the MRP's fault he didn't win the friggin' Brownlow. It was his fault.
0: <laughs> so you think there'll be a square up this year, do you, Sefo? You think they'll feel no, bad definitely. for him and he'll win it this year because he's a pretty boy?
2: The universe will come to its balance and... There'll be retribution.
1: He does really have beautiful hair. I mean, it's almost <laughs> Rami's Raja style. <laughs> it's awesome.
3: Mm. So, no, I, I think it's going to be another smoky this year, and, and the reason for that being that Fife is going to get rubbed out. I think, I think he'll probably top it again, and it's going
1: to be
0: another smoky. Round 23, uh, I can see him getting a one-match suspension.
1: Oh, dear. Why wouldn't Adler win it if he played a whole year?
0: Oh, that's that's a good well, point. yeah. I mean, it's pretty the boring, only reason why but... he
2: wouldn't is because you'd start to get some of those younger guys like Bunnell and Prestier and Jack Martin, O'Meara, starting to take votes off him. But mm. you never know. He, he, if he plays a whole year uninjured, he's probably got it locked up because that shiny little head of him probably he... just attracts the umpire's attention. Like, oh, who are we? Oh, Gold Coast. Oh, yeah, three votes, gee,
0: Other than his injury, though, Ablett is not showing any signs of slowing down mm. for mine. I just You watch his games last year. He's involving other players in the team a bit more, but he's not slowing down himself. I, uh, the guy's a phenomenon. So, mm. who is going to win the Brownlow? Christian. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, nah, I've got no idea. Honestly, I think it's going to be someone that no one expected to, a la Prudis
0: last year. Liam Jones will win the Brownlow. Um... <laughs> well, on the basis that you have
1: to have some sort of standout feature to get the umpire's attention... I will say that Dyson Heppel Ooh. would be a smoky for the Brownlow.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And he has the benefit of actually being able to play decent football too.
0: I, I, like, I, I like Tom Rockliffe at Brisbane.
1: Yeah, Tom Rockliffe's a gobshite though. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and, and and gobshites do have problems getting Brownlow votes.
0: Yeah, that's true. I like Sloane.
3: Sloan, he's got the hair, he's got the style.
1: Yeah, he's got sort of he's got a touch of the Nat Fife's about his hair, isn't he? Sort of, Big that, year this year sort of that, yeah, that type hair, and you know, we, we, almost in, in a certain light, he looks like your girlfriend from when you were nineteen, and you know,
3: makes you feel weird. Yeah,
1: yeah and old. So, you're making that sound more gay than it needs to. <laughs> like...
0: Messenger feels yearnings when he watches Fife play, apparently. Yeah, just,
1: yearnings yeah. for his Likewise, use. I agree. Just to slow <laughs> down and, and just to slow down and watch which part of the head he strikes generally,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the Coleman, guys? I'm going to get Jeremy
2: Cameron. I think he got close last year and, and with a bit of supplier and another year of that midfield and with no other serious, other big forwards to take it away from him, I think he can really tear it apart and get his five or six a game and Hopefully knock it off, because I think he deserves it. He's a good young forward.
0: No love for the Not No,
1: you don't give love to the rough. Yeah, I I tend to think there are probably better options, and and another one that was, I I guess, is Hawkins and and Buddy, of course.
0: I I think Mitch uh, Clark's going to take away from Hawkins' ability, though.
1: No, I think he'll actually add to it. That's why Hawkins
0: is my tip. I I I think Hawkins is looking sideways at Mitch Clark, going, get out of my position. (laughs)
1: <laughs> they do tend to run to some of the same spots. I guess the question would be is if Tippett can uh, demonstrate that he's not actually um, a garden, you know, an oversized garden gnome and actually do something productive, then um, Buddy gives Buddy that space to to, to score more goals. So I think, I think probably Franklin.
0: Okay. Well, that's our predictions done for the year. Um... We'll see how they go come end of the year. We'll play them back for you, and you can laugh at Messenger. And um, <laughs> we were hoping to have a uh, prosecutor come on to talk about the Essendon stuff. He's not here, so we're going to plunge straight into it after the break. Um, in the meantime, we'll see you in a minute. Yesterday, the AFL's anti-doping tribunal uh, handed down its findings that there was no, uh, no reason to believe that any player violated clause 11.2 of the anti-doping code. The tribunal's statement specifically says, and I quote, "...the tribunal today handed down its decision, which was unanimous, and reasons for the decision with, with respect to the alleged violation by 34 players of the AFL anti-doping code." The tribunal was comfortably satisfied that the substance Thymosin Beta-4 was at the relevant time a prohibited substance under the code. The tribunal was not comfortably satisfied that any player was administered Thymosin Beta-4. The tribunal was not comfortably satisfied that any player violated clause 11.2 of the AFL Anti-Doping Code. The tribunal's decision in relation to the violations under the code alleged against a former Essendon support person will be handed down at a later date, together with reasons for that decision. The Tribunal's decision and reasons have been provided to the parties in accordance with the function performed by the Tribunal. That function does not include the provision of the decision and reasons to other persons. Any publication of the Tribunal's decision and reasons is a matter for the parties involved. So,
3: at the end of the All day... All I heard was, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm a dirty tramp.
1: Can, can, you <laughs> you repeat, <laughs> can you repeat that bit, the rookie? No. No. Uh,
0: the uh, Andy, the Asada uh, well the Asada Asada released a media statement shortly afterward uh, saying that it acknowledged today's ruling um, that it was not comfortably satisfied. McNevitt said what happened at Essendon in 2012 was, in my opinion, utterly and absolutely disgraceful. It was not a supplements program but an injection regime, and the players and the fans were so poorly let down by the club. While I am obviously disappointed that the charges in this instance have not been proven to the comfortable satisfaction of the tribunal, I am pleased that the tribunal was able to hear these matters. Uh, We await the tribunal's decision in relation to Stephen Dank. So, at the end of the day, we've got 34 players found not guilty and we're still waiting for a judgment on Stephen Dank for some reason. Very colourful language from McDevitt, isn't it? He's not, he's not happy. His press conference today pretty much reflected that as well. He did say that the, uh, while Asada aren't currently planning to appeal, they are, they are holding that as an option for the future if they need it.
1: And they have a further 20 days in which to appeal, is that correct?
0: They uh, Asada have 21 days to appeal. Wider have 42 days to appeal for some yes. reason. Wider can appeal without going to the AFL Appeals Tribunal. ASADA have to go through the Appeals Tribunal process. So whether that's worth their time or not, another story. Whether ASADA can use Wider's power and go straight over the top if they want to is another thing altogether. There are comments from Wider today suggesting that they're going to talk to the Federal Government about the whole process and the investigation, saying so, uh, they're not uh, apparently happy with how it's all gone down and how long this, is, uh, this has taken, so...
1: So so when we talked about this in previous podcasts, we said essentially that there was the ability to outline a supply chain that went from Charter to Alavi to Dank to Essendon, but the critical issue would be, can you prove that that substance was put in those players? And the answer to that apparently is no.
0: That's right.
1: And and not only that, they weren't even... Able to say that the stuff that they were injected with was even thymus, thymus and beta four. That's right. So,
0: but they did say that if they were injected with anything, it would have been thymosin beta four. Right. That's that's basically they they found no reason to believe that the substance wasn't thymosin beta four if they were injected with anything. But they can't prove that they were injected. The trial there's no documentation. The the tribunal was scathing the age uh, reported today that the tribunal basically said that the uh the lack of documentation was was just awful it was it was appalling just how little there was known about everything Uh, essentially it seems uh to me that the lack of documentation the lack of record keeping has benefited essendon and its players in this case yes because you can't prove anything without the documentation and the people that Handed it over. Uh, the, according to the report that uh, apparently Jared Waitley had tonight on uh, AFL 360, and other people are reporting bits and pieces of on Twitter now. Uh, basically, the tribunal found Alavi and uh, Charter to be utterly untrustworthy individuals and unreliable witnesses. So
2: that's the problem because one of them is actually going to have the truth to what's happened and what what vitamins or whatever they've talked about has actually gone into these needles, and there's one or possibly two people that know exactly what it is. It may not be documented or not, but it just doesn't sound like the truth is actually going to come out.
0: I think the AFLPA statement um, relatively sums up where most of us are at, uh, in that the players uh, have probably had the right decision handed to them, but the club still did something wrong. Um, that the club should not, uh, basically it says this decision does not absolve the Essendon Football Club of blame. Players were placed in an unacceptable position that puts their health and careers at risk. And for over two years these players' lives have been hijacked by this issue through no fault of their own. That's disputable still I think. And today's decision brings a sense of overwhelming relief and vindication of the players' constant position of innocence throughout this saga. I think that's where most of us are at though. The the decision does not absolve the Essendon Football Club of blame. Fairfax Media have run this into the ground today. They have published any number of articles that go into this. And I know Messenger and Sepp and myself were talking about this before the podcast. And I think we're all on that page.
1: Well, yes. And, and I think that's the, the reasonable... You can't possibly say everything's fine, nothing to look at here, let's all move on, it was all wrong. Essentially this is a governance issue, a governance issue for which they've already been penalised, but nonetheless it's a governance issue and and an issue of record-keeping. Now, the other issue that came out of this too is that they were critical of the consent forms that were used mm. and that the consent did not constitute uh, informed consent. And where you have that, you do have the ability for somebody to... Uh, claim assault, mm. and if you, that is a civil matter, now Dank says he's got the injection records. Well, any civil matter will call for those injection records as part of discovery, and that's where. And then it all gets interesting because all of a sudden, those court records are are in the are in the do, public domain, mm,
0: which makes that Hal Hunter case uh, interesting to see whether that proceeds or whether he takes a payout.
1: But that ends up being an issue more for Dank than anybody else Mm. now because um, you don't know, you know, he might, you know... I mean, in some respects, Dean Wallace is the hero of all this because he didn't know how to use Excel.
0: (laughs) Which is... it, It really is bizarre, isn't it, that you can have, like, no documentation whatsoever of this kind of program, which leads us to work cover. How, how are they going to see this, do you think, Messenger?
1: I'm probably not the best expert. I've certainly had work cover come to my workplace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I'd have liked ODN to actually uh, be in on I this. Me, uh,
1: look, they, they have um, they've got a problem if work cover chooses to go that route. And uh, of course, Bruce Francis uh, introduced work cover uh, to all these issues for other clubs. But this is. This is surely a problem for them. I guess the question is, and we've been saying, oh yes, this 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 body will do this, and this body will do that. Well, will they have to do it? Don't they?
0: I can't see yeah. any way that the work cover can ignore the findings of the tribunal, uh, which clearly say that the players still don't know what they were ta- what they were given, and that the whole process was poorly documented. There's surely um, there's surely procedures that have to be followed in that regard
1: we we will i will not hold my breath until i i hear that they are actually going to do something
0: Mm, mm. (laughs) no and no one will but i mean we would have liked prosecutor to give us a few comments or someone from the essendon uh board but um still drunk still still drinking around the bonfire
1: bonfire (laughs) medical records yes
0: yes (laughs) the shredders worked out
3: is One of the uh, the main questions, I suppose, that I've got left after all of this, um, is even if Wada or Asada um, decide to do an appeal, and as far as uh, I'm led to believe, if Wada do take it to the Cads, then they actually uh, gain the power of being able to uh, subpoena people and information. Whatever good that will do if everything's been destroyed, but um, so even if that process does go through and they end up in court in Switzerland nutting this out again and we have to wait for a decision. I can't see that happening in a timely enough manner to make any of this worthwhile in the end.
0: Here's the fun thing about the CAS hearing. It's a completely new hearing. It's not an appeal. Uh, Yeah, it's
3: all over again. it's, it's,
0: It's what they call de novo. Basically, it means that the entire hearing, it's not like the federal court appeal thing where they just review the evidence and the testimony and go, okay, the judge was fine, the judge was right. Um, this is a completely new hearing, if it gets to that point,
3: with additional powers for the investigators to uh, to produce
0: more evidence as well, and uh, but done under Swiss law. So I'm not really sure how that interacts.
1: But but if they, I mean, I, I've heard that somewhere said somewhere that they they have more power to compel testimony. They surely don't have power to test to compel testimony from Stephen Dank and say, you must testify to this body? I mean, or, or do they simply have the ability to access what he his testimony to the to the um, Crime Commission?
3: Well, as far as I'm aware, the CAS is an actual court. It's not some sort of AFL-based tribunal system, so they, they might actually have some but it's quite not, serious powers there.
0: It's not an Australian court, and it sounds... Yes. And it sounds... No, but
3: we've, if we've signed up to be under... Um, the jurisdiction of that court, then... And, of course, I'm not a legal-legal at all. It'd be nice to have someone here to confirm this stuff, yeah. but I was under the impression that, you know, hey, our government says yes to their, you know, process, so
0: that's it. Too bad, to so sad. Hmm.
1: Hmm. I, I reckon this is almost done. I think I, it
0: is done now. I,
1: I don't believe that this will be a CAS thing at all. And certainly the way... It's been reported that that, from an AFL point of view, that that ruling is appeal-proof, and um, and well, they're and saying I don't, that
2: to make it go away because they just don't want it anymore. Yeah, of course.
1: Well, they don't want this to be open to multiple processes, and the AFL don't want that either. But this wasn't, you know, you know, Wayne Schimmel scratching his forehead on a Monday night. These were, <laughs> these are three pretty substantial legal guys and um and it was a you know substantial ruling so man yeah. do high. you
3: guys ever think the uh, transcripts will come out
1: the transcripts i don't know but they the, the reports are like 130 pages long so mm. yeah.
0: there, there's no allegation whatsoever that this was a not not independent i don't think uh two 25 year county court judges and a guy that played some football back in the 80s
1: and is a barrister.
0: And is a barrister for, for the last ten years. Well, two I of
2: those three of the tribunal, I think, were the ones that handed out a uh, Crowley sanction for pinching Boomer a thousand times, just based <laughs> on uh, circumstantial evidence. So,
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think they're tied by the code a little bit. Whether hmm. the, I think there might be further changes to that. The AFL was very clear that it wanted the uh, the transcripts released if it could be and it was the anti-doping panel that decided they couldn't be unless the players wanted them released. So hopefully we'll see some changes to that to get some transparency in the future. I know the AFL is planning to work with other codes to get a more team-based code that works better for professional sporting environments. Um, There's a feeling that the uh, Asada and Wada codes, as they stand at the moment, are really only individual uh, athletes, like well, they target individual athletes and not clubs, and they don't really handle that whole off-season uh, game, you know, premiership season split in the year. So, I think I think we'll see some changes there coming up.
2: The big thing is with all the governance issues that's gone on at Essendon. Do you think that their punishment so far with the the fines and the exclusion from the drafts? Do you think they've actually for what's been said and, and what's gone on, the people that have left, do you think they've paid their, their debt or their punishment? Obviously, the no. players have sort of got off and they've gone through turmoil and they've obviously missed some games, but if nothing more happens to the players, do you think anything further needs to happen to the club? Or herd in particular?
3: Well, I think morally we'd like to see something happen to a few of their key staff, but uh, mm-hmm. as a club, as an entity, without thinking about it in that sense, then... I think the punishments that they got from the AFL for their role in all of this are pretty sufficient. Um, they do seem a little light compared to what Carlton went through. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> but well, that's, what else you about that? I,
0: I, I yeah. think we can't go back and keep rehashing yeah, the penalties exactly. they got. I mean, they got the the penalties were pretty harsh, and I think um, there's a there's a recognition that the penalties Carlton got dealt in 2002 were too harsh. Yeah, I'd like to see a club go. You... Well, actually. I don't know if I'd hate to see i club get that again. I could live with Richmond going to the wall, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and,
1: and, 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 let's, and let's be honest, we, we'd all be happy enough for Nat Five to get a penalty like
0: that. And, and yeah, we'd love Nat Five to get done, just for the amusement's sake, really. I'd, I'd love all Frio's finals to be played at Skills Stadium as well. But anyway, um, we can't have everything we want. Basically, you've got to remember that the fine that Essendon copped is the largest fine ever issued by the AFL was $2 million. They got kicked out of two drafts, They, although they were allowed to trade back in, which is kind of a little bit dodgy in my opinion, but, you know, oh, yes. s- splitting hairs. Um, they got kicked out of the finals, which is a big deal when you're in, in, in a modern uh, AFL environment where your, your memberships and your sponsorships can all be tied to your success. So this is, you know, these weren't minor penalties to be dealt the her the matter of herd being paid and we talked about this before the podcast but herd being paid wasn't so much um, wasn't so much wrong it was purely an oversight in the AFL the AFL expected people to play by this moral code that you have where you get suspended you don't get paid it's in the AFL rules but where a data settlement says doesn't specifically say it and you have a data settlement you don't normally have a deed of settlement when you suspend a player you just suspend the player it's all this it's all this under the AFL code when they got the legal beagles involved and you have this data settlement that doesn't specifically say you can't play you, you know you can't pay the guy that's that's kind of on the AFL for overlooking that
3: yeah and for all these reasons that you've just said is why I've thought that the punishment given to Essendon Was substantial, but excuse me, it was probably made to look a lot harder than it actually was on the on the on the surface. It was like, wow, that's a big punishment. But the more and more you look into it, with being able to trade back in, um, all these other little issues. Oh, your 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 coach is gone for a year, but hey, we'll pay him. All these sort of things. It's kind of actually they weren't that tough
0: when when you look at it. uh, David Evans stood down. Ian Robson stood down. The weapon got fired. Dank got fired.
1: Paul Hamilton. Paul That's Ham- no
0: brainer stuff, though. But the, this is all this is all relevant to this. So you've got to you've got to take the glasses off a little bit, like the the whole rivalry glasses, if you like. And even I'm guilty of this over the years. And you've got to look at it in terms of well, was this a fair penalty under the circumstances? And it probably was. It, it, in all honesty, it probably was the fairest penalty that you can give. You know was heard responsible, you can't prove he was. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence that no one chose to try. No one chose to take it to the tribunal. No, Asada didn't pursue it. What are you supposed to do with it? What is Essendon supposed to do if no one is going to charge the guy? Go fist themselves. You know, I mean, yes, we'd all like, you know, in an ideal world, we'd like to have proof that you know, you'd like to think the coach would do the honourable thing and stand down when his players, you know, are, you know, when things like this are going down. But coaches have to make money. Coaches have to make a living. They're not going to stand down if they don't have to.
1: Well, I think this, you know, my, you know, sort of a corporate governance sense, I always look back at the the Australian Wheat Board disaster with, you know, when Downer was uh, um, at the helm and... Um, I think it was the foreign minister at the time, and, and and the line was essentially, well, if you didn't know, you should have known. Yeah. And and that's I think that's true of her now. Whether you know we can get Bruce Francis's matrix structure out and and draw lines hither and thither that sort of form a, a hard shell of ignorance around her. But the truth of the matter is, he's the senior coach, and and this I and very little will happen in an organization like Essendon which did not have by you know by any external assessment a hu- huge uh, degree of quality corporate governance very little would happen without herds say so in that yeah. environment so you know you might not be able to say well here's the smoking gun that says he ordered all these things but if he didn't know he should have known Yeah, You know, if your players are all wandering off site, day after day after day, and having injections, and you've got guys at the club who are giving them those injections and affecting their on-field performance or their physical conditioning, you should know about it.
2: And this is the bit that sticks with me, that I think all these punishments sort of seem fair, but if you were one of those guys who were at that club and involved in it or were aware of what was going on with this uh, injection regime, and if you're sitting back now, you're out of it and you may be you know, you're struggling to find jobs these days because your name's been dragged through the mud and you see Herd sitting there back at the helm and coaching this team, you, you just sort of scratch your head. And that's probably me that kind of wants some closure on or a bit, I don't know, if it deserves more for Herd or if he doesn't deserve to be sitting there after everything that's happened based on everyone else's... Responsibility if he had more of a, a say or involvement in it, that's the, the bit that sticks for me. I'm happy with what's happened to the players, but this is still yeah, it's, it doesn't seem right.
0: What about legacy, guys? In terms of uh, like we talked about this before the podcast again, but I mean, Carlton for the last 15 years have been known as the salary cap cheats. Um, for better or worse, that's what they are. Even though there are no players at Carlton, no coaches at Carlton, no board members at Carlton from that time,
2: it's um, still tainted with the. You know, of the, the club person. is still going to
0: be tainted with that whole salary cap thing, and it's going mm. to be for many years from now. And that's that's part of the game.
2: Essendon won't shake this easily, and obviously, once all these players leave, there's going to be none of them on there. But after all, they've you know they turned over most of them now. It won't be too long before everyone involved in this uh, saga's gone, but they're going to be taken with this for quite a bit.
0: Mm, so do we expect Watson to get booed next time he goes to Subiaco?
2: Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to stop some people, the uneducated footy folk.
1: Well, oh, they, they got huge. They got huge from the twenty eleven to 2012, and twelve, those guys got huge. We weren't imagining it. People were writing articles about it. Yeah. Oh, look how big and strong they are, and oh, Dean Robinson. You know, they they put muscle on, and and they and, and uniform, and they all did it. And if we're suggesting that that's a coincidence, I mean, they all look like the ninety four Eagles, for God's sake. You know, <laughs>
0: there's no it was, proof, Messenger. It's well, it's not proof, but. <laughs> It's...
1: Anecdotal evidence. (laughs) You know, it's... It's a nod in the right direction. I don't know. It's
0: an optical illusion. It was... It
1: was a nod, yes. The the jumpers were just a bit tighter or something. (laughs) I don't know, but...
0: (laughs) There's an excuse no one thought of. The jumpers got tighter. (laughs) (laughs) The TV resolution was different. Yeah, high definition just brought their features out better. Yeah, (laughs) wet (laughs) widescreen. Well, what are your final thoughts on this, guys, before we sign off on the... uh... Essendon saga. I just,
1: I'm just so glad that we won't have to talk about it again.
0: Yeah, I, I genuinely think once the once the uh, I think the Essendon side of this is done. I don't know why they're holding off on the Dank judgment, but once okay, <laughs> once that's all done, I think um, yeah. I think it's done, done, done and dusted. We move on. Mm. We keep hating oh, I don't think
2: Hurd's going to take any legal action during the year. I think he's going to be focusing on coaching and I don't know if he's going to sort of launch anything separate but after his coaching career or maybe just in the off season but I will just hope that it all goes away and they start to do, do you, what, to do you think
1: that he's going to fulfill the, the, the Bomber Blitz wet dream of him suing every mm. journalist who ever suggested that he might be somewhat less than pure?
0: I would <laughs> strongly suspect that uh, Essendon would Require him to uh, keep his <laughs> mouth shut for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, well, I think it... everyone wants to see this gone. I don't think Essendon will let him go off on his own tangents. No, no one wants to see this continue. No. No one. No. Basically, the judgment's done. There, there won't be an appeal, and we get on with our season. And finally, you know, start to put the last two years behind us. Indeed, indeed, and that's and just... the
3: fact that uh, there's going to be bombers fans who say, "We were not guilty; it never happened because of this decision," without really understanding the fact that it didn't say you didn't do it; it just said they couldn't prove it. And that's what we're going to have to put up with for the next three or four generations of people. <laughs>
0: oh, and and someone's going to write a book one day, and it'll all come out, and then there'll be counter books that'll contradict that, and you know, and the Goddard what... movie one day yeah one day one day one day we might figure this out but maybe we won't it'll just be one of those things you have to ask jesus when you get to heaven <laughs> anyway <laughs> on a closing note guys what do you, what do you expect from this weekend what do you want to see
1: um i hope to see some honest to god for good football that's what I hope, and I think there's a few games. I think this is a really good first round. We've had a couple of stinkers, uh, stinkers of round ones over recent years, but I think this one's this one will deliver.
2: I want to see the uh, changing of the guards. So sides like Geelong and Collingwood start to actually slip off after, even Sydney for that fact start to uh, change, and some of the rise of these lesser light teams, you know, Gold Coast for a start, and even just Bulldogs and Brisbane them start to rise up the ladder. I just Hawthorne. want to sort of start see signs
1: of it this weekend. I we want to see Hawthorne rise up as well.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm just looking forward to footy. That's that's what I want. I want to see some good footy. I want to see Richmond get trounced tomorrow night. Uh, got...
1: um, my Friday nights are free each week now. That's terrific. Well, yeah, Lots... you don't know what to do with yourself.
0: You're, you're going to know more about Carlton than I do by the end of the year, Messenger. I it, th-
1: that will not be possible. I, all I'll know is that Robert Warnock is a lamppost.
0: Yeah, but you got, you got that <laughs> and from Matthew me Watson anyway. He's a very, very big head. Uh, doesn't he just? Yes. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to sign off. Thank you very much for coming on tonight and talking about things. Um, thank you very much, Shandog. Thank you, guys. Good night. You can also hear Shandog on the Blues podcast whenever that runs. If you're feeling masochistic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can hear him. Uh, Messenger, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Wookiee. Thank you. You can't hear Messenger on the Hawthorne podcast because he hasn't started it yet. (laughs) Um, He keeps saying he will, but he hasn't started one yet. Well, I just thought that others might like to do it. (laughs) And uh, you can hear Seppo on the Frio podcast, which probably runs tomorrow night. Seppo?
2: sure will. You'll be able to hear us and all the right way through the year.
0: So, and you'll be able to hear me here pretty much um, when I release this later on tonight. Um, thank you very much, guys. We'll see you all on the forums.
1: He's a golf shot.
0: Don't stop, believe.